This is episode number 31 of the Inner Game of Aging podcast. Welcome to the Inner Game of Aging podcast, helping you to discover how to be older without growing old. And here's your host, turning this whole idea of aging upside down, Lee Mowat. The inner game of aging is always focused on those problems and issues that affect the lives of our older citizens. We often speak of how our upbringing, culture, and stereotypes can often make it difficult or harder to find that sweet spot in our lives past the age of 60. One of the things I have looked at to understand how our culture affects us is the concept of ageism. Ageism will be defined later in this episode, but for now, let's call it a set of cultural beliefs regarding older people that help to put them aside or to marginalize them. A few years ago, I wrote a series of articles related to ageism, and I felt that my listeners should be exposed to these articles as they set the backdrop for why the inner game of aging even exists. So this episode presents to you the second of three articles that attempt to increase our awareness about ageism in our culture. No matter who we are or what group we belong to, as long as we can call ourselves human, I'm willing to bet that you, just like me, are getting older. None of us are spared from this. All of us must prepare in some way to optimize the later years of our life, and we are all affected by the cultural influences around us. Rising to the status of a wise old elder is something we all should aspire to. This is a revered position in so many cultures around the world. Cultural ageism takes away this aspiration and robs us of the wisdom that is contained in so many of our elders. I would like you to use this episode to determine your relationship to ageism in your life. With recent political shifts and changes in government spending, it seems as if ageist views and policies could be on the rise instead of on the decline. One of our best protections is our own awareness of them, of these policies that contain ageist views. Look to the show notes page for any references that are cited in this episode. And you can also get the original article from which this episode has been created from on the show notes page as well. And of course, the URL for this episode's show notes page is innergameofaging.com forward slash IGA31 While you are there on the show notes page, consider joining the Insiders Club to receive more content and to learn how you can help us spread the older not old message. If this is something you believe in and can support, then I encourage you, become an ambassador for this message. We will show you how when you join the Insiders Club for the Inner Game of Aging. Let's continue into this week's episode's content.
Lessons from the Circle of Life There was something very disturbing happening within me as I watched my father grow older and older. Twenty-two years ago, I didn't know myself as well as I know myself now, so at the time, it was hard to even recognize that something was disturbing me inside. But it all seems very clear now. He had retired 11 years before his death. His health had already started declining. I have many recollections of those 11 years before his death. Here are just a few. I recall this once proud man declaring himself no longer young at the tender age of 60 in a manner indicating that looking beyond looking behind him was more comfortable than looking ahead of him. I also recall him eyeing my 33-year-old physique, saying aloud to himself, I used to look like that, but no longer. Another recollection is how he started to withdraw more and more as the years passed by. My sense was that he was becoming a greater annoyance to those who kept his company. I recall the heavy feeling in me watching him give up more and more of himself as time marched on. He felt that he had less and less to give as he got older and older. But more disturbing to me was what I was seeing inside of me. Looking back, I wasn't there to help him as much as I was to agree with his assessments on his aging. I saw me give up on him just as much as I was seeing him give up on himself. As his doubt about his health increased, so did mine. As he felt his own growing uselessness, I felt it with him. He died in 1994 at the relatively young age of 73. That same disturbance crept over me again as I watched my mother get older. I don't ever remember a moment where my mother felt young to me. I used to joke that she was born at 40 years old. 40 is how old I was then at the time. But she did something very strange when she was 75. She fell in love. It was a marvelous wonder to see my mom behave like a secretive teenager and we all enjoyed watching her during this infatuation. She needed this again. She was able to contribute to another person's life. She felt alive. But her elderly ways returned after the euphoria of that love matured into everyday existence. She seemed to lose more and more of herself as each of her lifelong friends passed away. I recall watching her crumble from a broken heart as she watched my sister's coffin be lowered into the ground. No parent should have to endure that. I saw more and more fear inside of her as the years passed by. I saw myself give up on her as she gave up on herself. Once again, I wasn't there to help her as much as I was there to agree with her negative assessments about what was happening. I realize all this now, of course. I didn't realize all that then. 
Embedded within these stories are, of course, classic examples of ageism at work. I am writing this comment commentary not just to prove to myself that I understand my disturbances better than I did back then, but more importantly, at least for me, I'd like to discourage us all from walking into unnecessarily diminished futures as we get older, and instead encourage the preparation for what I call a beautiful sunset. The enemy inside. Now, the definition for ageism says something like, quote, prejudice, stereotyping, or discriminating against individuals or groups on the basis of their age. This suggests that the source of ageism shares similar characteristics with the sources of other isms, such as racism, sexism, classism, heterosexism, and so on. To understand these isms, I think we need to understand the process of stereotyping. A stereotype is basically a learned set of associations that link a set of characteristics to a group. We all unconsciously learn cultural stereotypes through socialization, but some of us believe these stereotypes are true and don't recognize that individual characteristics within any group vary greatly and change over time. Age, along with race and gender, is a primary social category, meaning that age-based social categorizations are automatic or made too quickly to be thoughtful and deliberate by the individual. Most stereotypes of the elderly operate beneath the conscious thoughts of those that hold them. So, ageism has become ingrained in our culture. As it is passed on to children from parents who hold ageist stereotypes, the cost of ageism, just like high blood pressure, ageism is mostly a silent destroyer. It acts like an inside embezzler, stealing valuable assets that we didn't know we had. Most of us can spot the more obvious indications of ageism in our society. Workplace age discrimination, predatory telemarketing, Medicare frauds and abuses using the elderly as pawns for profit, and demeaning portrayals of elders in the media, but these represent the outer manifestation of ageism, not the origins of it. They do not show the real cost and real value lost. Before ageism can exist on the outside of us, it must exist on the inside of us. So let's look inside a bit to see what we can see there. As mentioned above, in daily social interactions, ageism typically occurs without much notice or concern. For example, without knowing circumstances, we find ourselves pitying elders rather than honoring them. Our stereotypes have us assuming a struggle in their lives, either physical or emotional, that may or may not exist. Exist at all. However, so many seniors and elders are closer to true happiness than can be seen from their outside public impressions. So the stories that we imagine in our own mind as we watch their strange, their strained walk and their compromised senses, they, those stories more reflect our own opinions rather than the realities of their lives. 
But we ourselves do not see this and label our imaginations as their realities and treat them in that manner. And these stories don't just influence how we see seniors and elders around us. They directly affect how we manage our own lives. We find ourselves expecting and accepting conditions typically attributed to aging, but really come from other sources. We accept lifestyles and habits that promote the very conditions we fear as we age. The the self-fulfilling aspect of ageism helps bring about the chronic diseases and ailments that we believe are part of life as we age. We are now slowly realizing that it is our choices that may be at the heart of some of these undesirable conditions. Societal choices and cultural memes strongly influence, but they don't dictate, our own individual choices. So the need for us to exercise self-directed critical thinking has never been greater. With positive aging models all around us, we can see greater options, expanded horizons, and more opportunities for value, service, and contribution as we age than we did before. It has been proven that a person's attitude toward old age significantly significantly affects how they fare once they reach that age. In a now famous study where seniors were led to subconsciously absorb positive stereotypes about old age, their physical health improved along with their self-esteem and longevity. This particular experiment can be found in the references that appear on the show notes page for this episode. Another invisible cost of ageism can be seen in our relationships, as it is fostered or at least encourages distrust between the various age groups of the population. Of course, this reduces collaboration and innovation between the vital population segments. It slows down the transfer of information between people of different ages or even in different groups. You can see this in families, companies, and governments. For example, each age group in our population has distinct has a distinct political identity, which sometimes doesn't align very well with the other age groups. Now, the things I've mentioned here are just a few of the prices we pay to harbor ageism in our culture. There are others that go well beyond the few that I've mentioned here. In short, ageism is costing us, costing us value from our older citizens and value into the culture that supports all of us. The Evolutionary Reboot of Attitudes So how do we start to recover those noiseless but substantial losses that are coming from our unconscious ageism. Despite anti-discrimination laws, ageism, like racism, cannot be legislated out of existence. We must face this burglar first within us, then within the larger culture around us. The change has to start in our personal developments and in our hearts. I believe it has to start at the individual level not at the legislative or governmental level. We will need to embrace certain realizations in our collective consciousness, both as a society and as individuals. 
Successfully integrating these insights improves the lives of everyone, has benefits for everyone, and gives us all significantly more future during our lives, especially the later parts of those lives. Consider what our society would look like if all of us saw the following as true statements. If all of us, not just a few of us, but all of us saw aging not as a disease, but as a natural stage of life which has particular needs as do any other stage of life, such as childhood, adolescence, adulthood, and our working years. What if we all saw aging, that is, greater life experiences, as bringing us closer to our goals for tolerance, wisdom, and patience? Our aging gives us clearer views of ourselves and what true happiness is. It spiritualizes us naturally, and our personal environments and societies benefit from this important maturation. Imagine what would happen if we all could realize that it is every period and age in our lives that holds significant challenges, and old age isn't any different in that regard. Even if the trials of old age seem unique to this age group, it's still just another group of challenges that mark those years, no different than those of toddlers with its challenges or teens with its challenges. A lot of seniors, I'd say the majority actually, have a great capacity to enjoy and contribute to life. And despite the signs of aging that others may see around them, their desire to make this contribution remains undiminished. If all of those statements previous were true for everybody around us, wouldn't this be a different culture? Wouldn't this culture have better aging characteristics, as what I call it? Of course it would, if everyone felt that those statements were true. Conquering Ourselves First The attitude shifts mentioned above won't happen unless we look at ourselves first. When you stop and think about it, most of us are looking to get old, although we don't express it that way. Nobody makes that out of this life alive, but leaving this life as a wise and respected elder is like a beautiful sunset ending a well-lived day. The following tips help to create this image first in our own heads and then in our personal environments. But I believe that the older you are, the more advantages you'll find in the following practices. The first practice, don't fall for the inner kill. I believe this term, inner kill, was coined by the author Richard Lierder and partly refers to our tendency to get caught up in our own trials and tribulations to the exclusion of all else. As we grapple with health issues, decreasing energy, loss of loved ones, it's easy to get caught up in negative and debilitating thought cycles that kill us before we actually pass on. The antidote to this inner kill, Mr. Leader argues, is to serve others, to reach out and find ways to contribute to a larger good. This all sounds good to me. It would benefit everything around us if we all did that. Another practice that I believe we can all benefit from is to stop being typical or stop being average. Average, after all, is just the 
best of the worst and the worst of the best. That's what average has always meant to me. There's nothing wrong with being average in your in most things in life, but there should be something that should set you apart and to try to have something, anything that sets you apart and marks you as you. Ageism feeds off the stereotypical behaviors of seniors and elders. So why be typical? Seniors and elders have earned the right to be different than what we expect them to be. Embrace that difference. Use your playful imagination each and every day to defy categorization. I feel awkward using myself as an example, but to get around sometimes and compensate for a compromised foot, I will sometimes get around using my Razor push scooter. You know the kind that the little kids use sometimes? It gives me exercise, it makes me mobile, and it gets me the strangest looks from both grown-ups and children alike. Now this next idea I consider most important. Don't confine your friendships to your own age group. There is something, something to be gained and enjoyed from people of all ages. How many friends do you have that are more than 15 or 20 years older or younger from you? Speaking for myself, my experiences at my gym are so much richer because of the interesting friendships I fostered with macho boys between 17 and 25 years old, while I am 66. We inspire each other to go for higher and higher stakes, just like a game. It's so much more enjoyable working out with them. Of course, that's my take on things. Yours, understandably, could be very different. And this next practice can give you a lot of mileage in conquering who you are as you age. Try to genuinely enjoy people. The stresses of modern-day living can sometimes make this very hard if we're not already inclined in that direction. And sometimes, even if we are inclined in that direction, the stresses of modern-day living can make this hard. But you can easily see the difference in the healthier lives of those who enjoy people as opposed to those that keep themselves apart and can sometimes feel isolated. I can almost guarantee you, the more you enjoy the people in your life and people in general, the longer your life will be, the happier life will be, the more productive life you, your life will be, and the more goals you'll be able to meet in your life. These practices that I've just mentioned will most certainly start to eat away at the specter of ageism by changing the source of it, ourselves, our own personal cultures. Yes, that is the source of a lot of ageism that exists around us. Don't worry, be happy. We all suspect that the baby boomer generation is changing the face of aging and with it the stereotypes that feed ageism. In a recent survey asking people what age is considered to be old, most respondents answered that old age doesn't start until 80 years old or so. This is a far different mindset than that, was, was that, that which was used to set the retirement age at 65. We have more productive and empowering models of aging all around us these days. 
our seniors and elders are healthier and more active. The frail and disabled amongst us may still capture the attention of the younger segments of our population, and perhaps rightly so. But even those who feel compromised by their age have still earned the respect that, that comes from their natural wisdom of being here for longer. Even while our physical aspects show the effects of time, true happiness and contentment can still spread from us to others. Listening to 85-year-old people talk about the lessons of their life can be truly inspiring and fun. The wisdom that resides in our elders can truly be awe-inspiring sometimes. Sit down, chat with them. You may be surprised just as much as I was. And there you have it. I have received a good amount of feedback from that article when it was written two years back. The situation around us hasn't changed all that much. There is still much work to do. Similar to sexism and racism, the cultural ageist element in our culture cannot be legislated out. Laws may affect what people may do, but they do not affect how people feel. The front line for the battle against ageism lies within each of us as individuals. It is our own awareness and our unwillingness to accept ageism within and around us that provides a grassroots movement that is guaranteed to ripple throughout our culture. So this all starts with you. As we all start to understand that none of us will be spared the indignities that ageism promotes, more of us will be looking to participate in change starting within themselves. On the show notes page, you can find the references that were cited for this article. You can also get the transcript for this episode from the show notes page, and you can get to the show notes page by using the following URL, innergameofaging.com forward slash IGA31. Why not add your voice to the comments? Tell me your thoughts on this topic. I am always excited to hear from you. So let me know how you see all this. And until next time. Thanks for listening to the Inner Game of Aging podcast with Lemo Watt. Check out more content by going to theinnergameofaging.com. That's theinnergameofaging, no spaces, dot com. Stay with us as we learn the many ways of being older without growing old.